Well, good morning. Will you thank our worship team? Well, uh, to everybody who's here in person and those of you joining us online, thank you for being here this morning. I, um, we've been, we're actually in our second to last week of this idea we've been talking about for just over a month now called Getting Ready for Church. And it has nothing to do with what you did to get ready for church this morning, but at the heart level, getting ready for church. And as we've explored, there are just some, as you, as you dig through Jesus' interactions in the Gospels and the accounts of his life, there are just some interactions that don't necessarily feel good when you first read through those. And you imagine being the person maybe he's saying some things to, and, and you think, ooh, Ouch. And yet, we've been reminded that Jesus was also looking ahead to a time that there would be the church. And his presence on the earth would not just be his single human body, but him through tons of human bodies, the church. And so we are, uh, like I said, in our second to last week of that. And I want to, um, I guess maybe the best way to, to jump into today is you, many of you know, if you've been here for a little bit, we've got this sports ministry here at the church for, for kids called Upward Sports. And so there are a variety of different sports that are offered and that will be coming along. There's uh, soccer, there's basketball, there is uh, mixed martial arts, there's boxing. I'm just kidding, there's no mixed martial arts. Some of you just perked up and started paying attention just now. But um, I, I am reminded every single week when we drop our kids off and we walk into the gym and see them playing sports, for you adults, remember that time in life where you did not have to stretch and you could go deliver like a primo performance. This is, this is every kid in this church. I mean, they come in and they just, you know, kids are dropping triple doubles on basketball court yesterday. And, and I'm just going, oh man, I remember that day. I, re- I remember those days in life when you didn't have to stretch at all. I could go eat Chick-fil-A at lunch at Columbine and then go run three miles and cross country. Now I can't even drive three miles after I eat Chick-fil-A. And you just think, gosh, what happened? And then I was really reminded of this. It was about a year and a half ago, pre-pandemic, uh, the elementary school that a couple of our kids go to, you, you could actually go sit with, excuse me, sit with your kid and have lunch with them. And so one day, Kara and I went and we had lunch with our, uh, our middle child, True, and she was in third grade at the time. And it dawned on me in the middle of lunch, oh my gosh, recess recess is next and so it's like true what's like what's the game at recess and don't give me hopscotch because we're not doing that today she's like it's it's soccer and so the uh somebody that many of you may know here uh steve medunio he was also there eating with with his daughter and so kara and steve and i uh huddled we went we are i don't care that it's third grade this is like if you've seen billy madison we are going to dominate a bunch of third graders today. And we went out there and it was amazing. That, at least that's how I remember it. But uh, I mean, I don't know. How many goals, how many goals did, did I score, honey? <laughs> she, she doesn't remember. She had like a dozen. Steve had 15. I just remember I had a punt that made every kid want to be me. That's what I remember. <laughs> uh, but how do you think the next day went? Because guess who didn't stretch? Yeah, 
Yep, I swore I'd never play soccer ever again without stretching. And I bring all that up because I want to bring you to Mark chapter 10 this morning. Because in Mark chapter 10, there is this foundation conversation that Jesus has with the disciples that, to be honest, if if we don't get this right, it doesn't really matter if we get anything else right. I mean, it would be like sprinting out onto the field in sprinting out and giving it all you've got and not having stretched first. And so it's one of those things that is crucial. And, and if you've been following Jesus for any amount of time, chances are you've heard this come up. But it's something that we constantly have to revisit. Now, before we jump into this conversation, let me, let me just kind of walk you through Mark chapter 9. Because there is a very real uh, movement from Mark chapter 9 to Mark chapter 10 that I just find incredibly interesting. Mark chapter 9, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, very literally starts at the top of a mountain. I mean, Jesus and a few of his disciples are on top of a mountain. It's an incredible experience. They come down the mountain, and there's commotion. There's a crowd. And a man had brought his, his son to Jesus, to his disciples, and he asked them to drive this evil spirit out of his son. Well, they couldn't do it. And, and so suddenly you've got this from the mountaintop. Now, oh, the reminder. Well, a reminder, we can't do anything about this. And, and not long after this episode, Jesus starts talking to his disciples. And he says, okay, we're going to Jerusalem. And there, and as they're all bracing for what's the plan, he said, they're going to kill me. Yep, that's the plan. They're going to kill me, and then I'm going to rise on the third day. And it, all you read is just one little half a sentence in there. It says the disciples didn't understand this. They're just not on the same page. Well, you keep going through Mark chapter 9, and and you're starting to get into Mark chapter 10. But at the end of Mark chapter 9, the disciples come to Jesus, and they say, Hey, Jesus, we saw this guy driving out demons in your name. But don't worry. We took care of it. We told him to stop. And you can just, you're reading this, and it doesn't say it, but you can just see Jesus going, Oh, nope. That's not, that's not what you're supposed to do. Well, it continues into Mark chapter 10. Some people are bringing children to Jesus. Jesus loves children. You've heard the the song, Jesus loves the little children, but you see it in scripture. People are bringing children to Jesus. And you know what the disciples are doing? Stop. Stop. Don't bug him with this. He, He doesn't have time for this. No, stop, stop, stop. And it's, it's just, the interesting thing is you've got this movement from the top of a mountain, it's, it's inspirational, it's incredible, to now you've got disciples that even though they're in the same place as Jesus every step of the way, they could not be further apart. It, the disciples just don't get it. You get the feeling that these followers of Jesus are trying to get Jesus to follow them. Now, can we talk about church for a minute? Isn't it true that if there were 100 of us in a room, 200 of us, 300 of us, there would be as many opinions about how progress is to be made as there are people in the room. Wouldn't there be? Absolutely. We, we all have our idea of what it ought to look like because this is something that happens in church. Whether it's been, you've always been part of this church or another church, what do we do? We go to church and we immediately jump in, and it's a good thing. We say, Jesus, I want to follow you, and I want to, I want to do for you. And this has come up in, in recent weeks, but we want to do something for God. And you've maybe written down phrases and thought, thoughts like, I want to do something great for God. 
And so we, we say, I'm following Jesus and I'm serving you, Jesus. But the, the mentality and what's going on inside is I want to earn something for Jesus. I want to earn something. See, I, I don't doubt anybody in here wants the progress and the advancement of the kingdom of God. But the issue that all of us has to ask ourselves is who is sitting on the throne? When, when I go about wanting to work for the kingdom of God, who's actually on the throne? This, this will happen at any and every single level that we are at in life, whatever that looks like, whatever hi- hierarchy or area that's in. Years ago, I, many of you have heard one of the first paychecks I ever earned. I, I, was, I was on the cleaning crew here at the church, okay? And one thing I've not shared with you is that there were two different cleaning crews here at the church, Okay, there's a lot going on midweek. So there was a midweek cleaning crew and, and we had to clean by Wednesday because there was choir practice. There were classes going on Wednesday and Thursday. So there was a Wednesday cleaning crew and my, my area was this foyer out here in the bathrooms. And, you know, it was exciting at first. I thought, oh, I'm rich. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be rich off of this and uh, I need to do nothing else. But a little time went on and, and suddenly I started looking at, whoa, like there's a Saturday cleaning crew. And the Saturday cleaning crew, they do an incredible job because why? Because people are going to see it on Sunday. And so what did I want to do? I wanted to be on the Saturday cleaning crew. And I imagine people walking in the doors on Sunday going, this is the most vacuumed place I've ever seen in my life. Who is responsible? And people saying, that's Nathan Harrison, our head sanitation engineer here at the church. You know, it's just images of glory. Well, a little time went on. And after I moved from Wednesday cleaning crew to Saturday cleaning crew, I remember I was volunteering with the high school youth group. And and that was great for a while. It gave me great joy. And then I started looking around. I went, gosh, it'd be fun to lead a group. I don't just want to volunteer. I want to lead a group. And so Ryan Long came to me. He said, hey, I've got a group for you to lead. I was like, all right, lay it on me. He was like, junior high. It's like junior high is like the worst eight years of my life, Ryan. I'm not doing junior high. For three years, I said no to Ryan. Finally, said yes. Loved it the very first night. Well, some time went on. Uh, fun fact, Graham. Graham, you were like one of the first junior hires we had. That's, that's fun. Let's close in prayer. All right. <laughs> so, but after, after a while, you know, as, as Graham and his peers and classmates moved into high school, I went, gosh. I want to lead high school group. Well, time went on. We led the high school group, and it's just always there. We're always looking to the next, aren't we? No, no matter what quote-unquote crown this world puts on our heads, we're always looking for a different one, aren't we, or a different throne to sit on. Became associate pastor. Do you know what the associate pastor gets to do? They get to preach on all the holidays. That's what the associate pastor gets to do. And I remember just thinking, I just want to preach on a regular Sunday. Now we're in a pandemic, and God's given me this incredible blessing and privilege of getting to be the senior pastor, and you know what I want? I just want to preach on a non-pandemic Sunday. (laughs) See, it's just always there. That is not an announcement about reopening. Hold your emails, okay? But it's just, it's the human condition. It's what sin has done inside every single one of our hearts, is that we look around 
And, and we just see something more. And so with that, I want to bring you to the tail end of this conversation. We're going to go through the whole conversation. But let me bring you to a statement Jesus makes at the tail end of this conversation in Mark chapter 10. You'll find it in verse 42. Listen to what he says. Jesus called them, his disciples together, and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Now, three, three phrases in there I want you to see, because it so points at some very human dynamics going on inside every single one of our hearts. First is this phrase. You know that those who are regarded as rulers. That word regarded, you know what that points at? You know what dynamic that points at that's going on inside all of us? The perceptions of other people. See, the other thing that's going on throughout the book of Mark is a crowd is growing. I mean, you start in Mark chapter 1, it's Jesus, okay? And then as you get through the early, the early chapters, you start seeing some people around him. And as you keep going, the crowd. It's amazing to count how many times you read the crowd throughout Mark. Because a very, very real element that is stirring for them and still stirs for us is the crowd. Isn't it? I mean, don't we get so concerned about the, what the perceptions of other people are? Absolutely. And here's, here's the hang up. As long as you and I are driven by the perceptions of other people, we will always give them or provide to them or, or strive for what they want, not what they need. This is why Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, the, the, deepest, the deepest human need is a spiritual one. But if I'm caught up, in other people's perception, it will be hard to see that deep. And we'll settle. We'll settle for something less. Second phrase I want you to look at. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. They lord it over them. You know what that is? That's a position statement. We, we get tossed around and driven by other people's perceptions, but we also get driven by position. There was a TV show years ago. Many of you uh, I have talked to about this, Friday Night Lights. And there was a movie as well, but the TV show was about this football team, in, a high school football team in Odessa, Texas. And I remember there was one season where they were opening up a new school in the town, starting a new football team in the first day of tryouts. It's, it's just comical because it's so true. It's first day of tryouts. All these people show up. For, for this high school football team. And it's just showing the coach with this clipboard next to the scale. First person gets on the scale. He writes down a number. And he says, what position are you going for? Person said, quarterback. This is, this is a tiny kid, quarterback. Next person gets on the scale. And you're thinking lineman. He gets on the scale. Coach writes down a number. What position are you going for? Quarterback. Five more people get on the scale. What position did they want? Quarterback. See, isn't it interesting? We're driven by perception, but we're also driven by position. That if I could just get in that position, Jesus, if you would just, if you would just put me there, some real progress could be made. Third phrase, in the same sentence. And their high officials exercise authority over them. You know what that is? That's a power statement. We get driven by other people's perceptions. We get driven by position and we get driven by power. 
you know, two of these disciples, James and John, we don't read it in Mark, but in the book of Luke, they come to a town. We've talked about this before. They come to a town where Jesus, there are some dissenters who just don't agree with him. They don't want anything to do with him. They look at him, size him up, go, nah, they reject him. And James and John's first question, should call down fire? You just let us. Come on, Jesus, just let us call down fire. And you just, again, you, you see Jesus like going, no, no. But we get this sickum mentality, don't we? When, when we're on our own thrones of, of our own hearts. You see, Jesus is, is going somewhere with this. See, when you sit on the throne of your heart, and when I sit on the throne of my heart, you know what we pursue? We pursue crowns on our heads and people at our feet don't we? And this is why, this is why, as we've talked through this series, we've continued to say there are some things in me and there are some things in you. There are some things in all of us that can get in the way of what Jesus wants to do through all of us. And this is why Jesus said the next thing he said, four words, verse 43, not so with I know, I know that up to now, guys, it's been, he's saying to them, I know it's been other people's opinions and perceptions. It's been position. It's been power. Not so with you. Because there's a truth here. See, when you occupy the throne of your heart and when I occupy the throne of my heart, we pursue crowns on our heads and people at our feet. But when Jesus occupies the throne of the heart, you know what you get? You get a towel in your hands. And with that, I want to just rewind a little bit through this conversation because Jesus gives a picture of what God's towel actually entails and what it actually looks like when we actually set him on the throne of our hearts and he puts a towel in our hands. Come back to verse uh, 32. The first thing you see about the towel of God is it comes with a cost comes with a cost. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished. They were astonished. While those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was going to happen to him. So this is the third time he's telling them what's going to happen to him. And part of the cost of God's towel is you just don't understand. You don't get it at first. That word astonished, that was not like this amazed version of astonished. This is actually the third time in this chapter that a word like that or that word has come up. This is a different kind of astonished. Do you remember when you were younger? Remember when middle of the school day, maybe mom showed up at school or right after school, she showed up and what did, what did she say? She said, we're going to McDonald's. And it's like, what? Like, what's gotten into mom? This, this is strange. And maybe you remember this hypothetical situation's never happened to me. But anyway, you remember being in the car and you're going down the road and there's McDonald's, but mom's not slowing down. And you think, that's weird. Maybe she's just going to hit the brakes late or something like that. And then you go right past McDonald's because where are you actually going? You're going to get shots. That's what you're going to get. And you remember you were astonished, well-played mom. Well played, mother. I will remember this forever. And so you got McDonald's afterwards, but this is the kind of astonishment where they go, oh, it's been great following Jesus. I've got my own ideas and my own plans. And then he says, no, no, it's not leading where you think it's leading. It's leading to a cross. 
It's not leading to a throne. It's not leading to a, an overthrow of the government. It's not, it's not any of that. It's, it's a cross. And they were astonished. It continues, verse 33, we're going up to Jerusalem. Now, this would not have been fun for them to hear because one of the previous times they'd been in Jerusalem, do you remember what happened? They got rocks thrown at them. Specifically, Jesus got rocks thrown at him, but not everybody aims well. And so if you're sitting next to Jesus, that's not fun, right? We are going up to Jerusalem. And the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. And immediately after, Immediately after, after seeing the cost of God's towel, we see the challenge of God's towel come up within them. Listen to their response. Verse, verse um, 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the same who had called down, wanted to call down fire, came to him. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Okay, if you're Jesus, you just got to be shaking your head again. Okay, I just told you we're going to Jerusalem and you are thinking about you. And so Jesus, being the servant that he truly is, he says, what do you want me to do for you? Verse 37, they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? I love this, verse 39, right away. We can, we can. Did you want to take a few moments and think about that, guys? Or just, no, we can. We got it. We got it. We're, I'm pretty sure we got a good picture of what this is going to be. Like, where's the cup? Is it a big gulp? You know, it just, we're ready. And Jesus, Jesus says this. Oh, you will. You will drink the cup and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. See, there's a cost to God's towel, but there's also a challenge in it for us. And the challenge is this, that it completely denies our human inclinations in favor of his divine inclinations. And not just inclinations, his will. And so James and John, who were picturing the left and the right of Jesus, were looking the wrong place. They were looking to a throne. And yet the only place that we see people to the left and right of Jesus is there at the cross. And so this is why over and over Jesus says, those who would follow me must deny themselves, deny the human inclination, take up your cross and follow me. But there's another part to God's towel when it gets placed in our hand. There's a cost, there is a challenge, and there's conflict. It will bring up conflict in our lives. Verse 41, when the 10 heard about this, the 10 other disciples, they became indignant with James and John because they were, they just were so righteous and had everything. They, they had this figured out. No, why were they mad? They're mad because they didn't think of it first. Like, I want a throne. Isn't that what we do? I, I, I want a throne. They were indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, and here's where we were earlier, you know, that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. 
But see, God's towel brings us into conflict with the ways of the world. And then he will expand on what he said. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. See, you will come into conflict with the ways of the world. But the other conflict for us is will we embrace the work of a servant? Will we hold a towel instead of trying to get a crown or getting people to bow at our feet or have a throne? Can we do that? Now, if I'm just being honest, I don't even know in human strength that I could do that. Right? I mean, that, that pull of those things that we've talked about, it is so strong and it ebbs and flows in different areas. But for every single one of us, other people's um, perception and, and position and power, those pull strong, don't they? So how on earth do we do this? And it has everything to do with this pivotal statement in Mark. Pivotal statement. Verse 45. <clears throat> For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Okay, what? Like Jesus, you're God. And this is what the disciples had to work their way through understanding. You're God and and you're here to serve and to sacrifice. And as, as they would later find out, sacrifice on our behalf. See, when you look at that, then you know what? You can hold God's towel. But apart from that, every single one of us throws that towel away because we don't want it, do we? Yeah, we have the comfort and the assurance of God himself. I give you my towel because I did it first. I went first. I went before you. See, God's towel, God's towel is driven. The towel in our hands is driven by the throne of our hearts. And the question for every single one of us is who sits on that throne? If it's me, I'm looking for crowns and I'm looking for people to bow at my feet. But if it's him, then, then I have a towel. And if it's him in your heart, then you have a towel. All of us do, no matter what earthly crowns we wield. And what, no matter what earthly crowns we walk around with, we carry towels. Now, Here's, here's why I bring all this up. Because on the heels of this episode, on the heels of this episode, then maybe for the first time, mission began to make a little more sense for the disciples. That because they had one who led them and showed them how it was done, they could see how it was done. Uh, not long ago, and uh, keep in mind I'm 40 years old, so not long ago is any time in the last decade, okay? Not long ago, I couldn't tell you the year, the uh, U.S. women's national soccer team won the World Cup. And it, it, was, it was really, it's a funny thing to look back at because you see all these names in the news, but one name that wasn't in the news was a woman named Carla Overbeck. Carla Overbeck was actually the captain of that soccer team that won the World Cup. And Carla Overbeck, while her teammates were getting their trophies and they were having a parade, do you want to know where Carla Overbeck, the captain, was? She was at home doing laundry because her kids had school. At home doing laundry. She actually watched the parade on TV that she, more than anybody, should have been standing in the middle of. And I thought, there it is. Now, I don't know if she's a Christ follower or not, but I just thought, 
That's exactly it right there. There is something about serving that God uses to move us off the throne that isn't ours in the first place. And he puts himself, he puts Jesus on there. And so coming out of this conversation, they start heading down the road and there's this blind man named Bartimaeus. And he starts calling out to Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the disciples are back at it already. Oh, don't bug him. Don't bug him. Jesus says, tell him to come here. They're like, get up here. Come on. We told you, get up here. And Jesus heals him. But the question he asks first is, what do you want me to do for you? And I thought, there's a question right there. You know, you and I get up in the morning and we think, what can people do for me? What if we flip that? Maybe the most meaningful progress of the kingdom of God that we could be part of is just to look around, starting in our homes, starting with our neighbors, starting with maybe coworkers, those nearest to us and saying, what do you need? How can I help? And I know that doesn't feel like it makes mountains of progress, but it's exactly what Jesus did. And you know what it says? And Bartimaeus, after he was healed, followed him down the road. Followed him down the road. That is kingdom progress. I'll close with this. Um, you know, I mentioned upward sports in the beginning. And um, a couple weeks ago, I was laying with our, with our middle child, True, and just laying with her before she fell asleep. And the thing about True is her name is very appropriate because as True falls asleep, she speaks some very harsh truth to us, okay? And so we're laying there, and like a couple years ago, I remember she's falling asleep. She's like, Dad, your church singing is terrible. I was like, thanks, True. Thanks. Um, you can see yourself good night, okay? So, um, but a couple of weeks ago, we had been at Upward Sports in the morning and in the gym, the younger kids play on these, these lower rims. And I know this is a shock. That's really exciting for me, okay? I mean, 10 feet, I'm like, oh, how do people do that? But they had the rims down at seven feet. And I was like, true. Hey, have your team watch. I'm gonna, I think I could windmill dunk on this rim. Like, check it out. She's like, dad, don't, just don't. I was like, okay, what about a reverse dunk? I'm trying to name all these dunks. You want to see something cool? Like your, your friends are going to think I'm amazing. And she's like, oh, I just want you to carry my water bottle. <laughs> I was like, well, the water bottle? Okay, it's fine. And the game was getting going anyway. So just laying with her that night about to say goodnight, she's falling asleep. She's like, dad, you're the best water bottle carrier. <laughs> and you know, I'm... I'm a pastor. So I was like, have you heard any good sermons lately? Because that's what I want, right? And yet it's a reminder. The towel in our hands, whether it's carrying a water bottle or something here at the church or ministering to our family or serving those around us, the towel in our hands, the towel in our hands is driven by the throne of our hearts. And so who sits on that throne? As the worship team makes their way back up, let me pray. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we uh, come before you and thank you. Thank you for all of your word. Thank you for Mark chapter 10, for a conversation that it might as well have been us sitting there as you were talking to us. Thank you for the reminder 
that for all the push and pull of other people's perceptions, uh, of positions, of power, of all the things the world goes after, you made one simple statement, not so with you. And you showed us, you showed us a different way. You showed us a better way. You showed us you. And so Lord, as every single one of us looks at the towel that's been placed in our hands, remind us it's your towel. And regardless of the cost or the challenge or the conflict, we know, we know that we have your Holy Spirit to carry that out, to use that towel. So give us eyes to see how you want to use that. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.